Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. How's it going, everyone? You probably have already figured things out. It's February. It's a new month. Valentine's Day is coming up. We're using Catherine Ponder's book with the word love in the title. You probably think we're going to talk this month about love and relationships. You're only part right. We're actually not going to talk in particular about relationships. Let me explain the premise of Catherine Ponder's, which I think is kind of an amazing one and an important one. She says, and I believe that it's true, that love is the most powerful force on the universe. And it's not just there for relationships, it really represents the creative power of all things. And so when we have an open heart, when we have that ability to see the world as, uh, as welcoming and loving to us, and when we in turn provide the world that kind of energy, oh my gosh. Suddenly prosperity is ours. Suddenly uh, great jobs are ours. It goes well beyond our ability to to interact with people. Uh, Of course, all of life is interacting with people. But but I mean, on a one-on-one basis, suddenly it transcends that and becomes about being attractive to the entire universe. Love is that powerful of an attractive force. So that's what we're actually going to be talking about this week, uh, this month for that matter, the idea of love, but not as a transactional kind of person to person thing, but rather as one of those key forces in the universe, always working. Before we get there though, I think I want to talk about the other kind of love. I think that I want to talk maybe even a little bit in a negative way about love because hasn't everyone here had a negative experience that we also call love somewhere along the way? So of course, you know me, I found a joke to illustrate. Yay. All right. So Bill and his friend Steve are discussing the possibilities of love. Well, I thought I was in love three separate times, says Bill. You thought, says Steve. What do you mean by you thought? Well, three years ago, I cared deeply for a woman, but she wanted nothing whatsoever to do with me. Well, wasn't it still love, asked Steve? No, that was just a crush. That was obsession. Bill explains. Then two years ago, I had a passionate relationship with a woman, but we didn't really see eye on things day to day. Well, wasn't that love, asked Steve. No, that was just lust, replies Bill. (laughs) And now this last year, I met a woman while I was on a cruise ship. She was gorgeous, sexy, intelligent, a great conversationalist. We had a lot of stuff in common, a perfect sense of humor. Just being with her made me feel lightheaded and kind of silly. Well, wasn't that love, asked Steve. No, says Bill, come to find out, just motion sickness. (laughs) And so, Kathy, 
Well, pardon me, all right. <laughs> we had to start somewhere. So Catherine Potter, one of the things I love about this book is she first starts off by, by talking about love in two different ways. Part of it is the feeling of love, and then part of it is the expression of love. And I think where our joke really ties into things is the feeling of love, because we are used to centuries of training around what love feels like, and I suspect that a lot of it we've gotten wrong. If love really is the highest force for good in the universe, my theory is that love, true love, unconditional love, will always have good outcomes. Now think about some of the things that we thought of as love in our past that didn't have such good outcomes. Does everyone remember their first crush? Right? Doesn't everyone here, don't you have a memory of just being so, you know, crazy and stupid for someone? And, and well, crazy and stupid, there you go. Because I would bet probably nearly one for one of the people that raised their hands, what we discovered was that probably wasn't really love. I mean, it may be colloquially one definition of love, having a, a crush or being obsessed by someone. But in terms of something that stays the course, in terms of something that allows something beautiful to happen in the world, probably not. And likewise, if we were, well, somewhat honest, wouldn't most everyone raise their hand to say we've had kind of one of those passionate things, one of those sexual magnetism kinds of things that, you know, um, in fact, I get those folks counseling before their divorces now and then, because in the end, the, the kind of sexual tension, attraction, magnetism may not mean that they have any reason to be living together, right? It could be that, that uh, almost hormonal kind of like, um, I remember in, in, the, in the movie Rear Window, Thelma Ritter described it as two taxis coming together on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> right? But it doesn't mean you're going to have a, a long-term relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is going to be something positive. So how can we know if our feelings about love are really love? Or if there's something masquerading as love, something that, that feels us yearning for something. Well, first of all, I think all of us have also had an experience of true unconditional love. And I would ask you, when was the last time that you held a baby? Or if that's been quite a while, when was the last time you held a puppy or a kitten? Or if that's quite a while ago, when was the last time you at least maybe played with a grandchild or something like that? So that's the feeling that I'm talking about. Now it can, of course, happen with people of all ages, and right? I mean, it doesn't mean that we only have that feeling of unconditional love for infants or, or, or puppies or things like that, but that's the feeling I'm getting at, right? You're not expecting anything in return. The mere presence of their existence on the planet evokes love from you. They don't have to do anything. In fact, they're likely to leave you with a dirty diaper, right? <laughs> right? If we were solely to judge love on the merits of what was coming our way, probably, probably puppies and children wouldn't be that exciting. But, but, think of it. There is something so perfect, so innocent, something so magical 
that our hearts open without us even being aware of it. Now I want to talk about expressions of love. So that's the feeling. And in fact, if you ever want to check in on yourself is, is that feeling that I'm feeling really unconditional love? That's how you can ask the kind of questions. Well, is this the, the kind of love that I would feel from a no strings attached encounter with my granddaughter, right? Because if that's the feeling, you're probably, you're probably great to go. You're probably sweet and great to go. If you're feeling more like, well, I'd really like to have this interchange of whether it be sex or whether it be favors or, or I'll change myself a little bit and you change yourself a little bit and we'll try to make a go of this. Sadly, probably not unconditional love. May still be a definition of love, but not that spiritual, beautiful, endearing love that we get to spend, hopefully, with a good number of family members and friends and people throughout our lives. All right, on to the idea of expressing our love. Catherine Ponder says we do it in two different ways. First, she says we do it in a personal way. And if you think about your friends, if you think about your family, if you think about the people closest to you, this is probably fairly familiar. We express love through kindness, through tenderness, through courtesy, through affection, through our approval, through our consideration, through the time that we spend with them through even devotion to those that we know and we love. And that makes sense, doesn't it? These are the people that we've invested a lot of our time, a lot of our feelings in, and we often get to know them pretty well and, of course, want to express our love. But even here, Catherine Ponder is quick to point out that a lot of times we take it for granted. A lot of times we may not do what's necessary so that they really know that we love them. So one of my questions to you today might be, um, how do you feel about your expression of love to the people around you that you care about? Do you actually tell them that you love them? Now, I know those of you into musical uh, theater and Fiddler on the Roof, you can remember this song. Well, well, of course I love you. I've cooked your meals <laughs> and I've cleaned your clothes. Like, I've done everything for you. Of course I love you. <laughs> The trouble with that is it sounds a lot like transactions, right? If I do these things, hopefully you'll respond in this way. And that's not the ideal way to express our love. It, it implies that, that there's some, something that needs to go back and forth for it to happen. We're out of the realm of it just being enough that you exist and I love you. So, again, my question is, how are you showing your love for the people that you love? The best way, of course, is to tell them, but also be thinking about how they like to be approached with love. Some people are candy people. Some people are sweet notes people. Some people are physical displays of affection, and some not. If you think that one size fits all with how you express your love, time to step up to that. You know, um, there's a lovely book called The Five Languages of Love that you might consider, especially if you're in relationship with someone else. A very powerful book for being able to figure out how the people you love the most would like to be approached in that way. A very powerful tool. So, so maybe a bit of homework already is how do you approach the people that you love the most and let them know that that's the case? 
Second kind of love that Catherine Ponder talks about is one that we're perhaps less familiar with. We do it off and on, but we probably haven't really thought about it as a separate category. And she simply calls it impersonal love, the love that we can share with people that we barely know or people at work or people that we come in contact with, uh, maybe even only briefly. And she said, this of course is a little different. There's not gonna be the level of intimacy and nonetheless, we can express love. We can express kindness, courtesy, getting along, non-judgment, and simply our attention, our wholehearted attention that we give those folks. This one, she says, and I believe that it's true, is a place where we all can make better strides towards making an effect in the world. And I want to use an example from my own life. For, gosh, years and years, I worked for the telephone company. I was a project manager. And I got to tell you, they sent me all over this darn country working on computer installations. And uh, frankly, for about a five-year period, the Portland International Airport was kind of my home. I was either waiting for planes or getting on planes or coming back on planes. And, and, uh, and I always had pretty much the same pattern. I would, I would be there on, on Sunday night to get my flight out, and then I, on, uh, 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 on a Friday evening, I'd be flying back in. And I always had the company paid for my parking to try to make it convenient for me. And so I was always in long-term parking. And well, you get the idea. So every week I'm flying home at five o'clock and I get in my car and I go to bail it out of prison. Remember the toll booths at Portland International Airport, right? There are these little cubicles, I don't know, about four feet square and there's just enough room for a person and a cash register and a visa machine and I don't know, maybe a glass of water. So here I am every Sunday, and I began noticing that if I got in this one lane, it moved a little faster. So even if it had more cars in it, I would go to that lane because they were faster. And then as I noticed that, I began noticing, well, it's not the lane. There's a woman that is like doing this faster. And so I started kind of paying attention to her. And I got to tell you, she was like Mrs. Grumpy Puss. <laughs> she was like this. And I realized kind of why she was fast, because she was like, you know, get them through. Where's your Visa card? Right? It was like you might get punished if you were in that line for very long. I decided that that's not the way I wanted to be greeted back to my hometown every week. And I was just smart enough to know that we had a relationship going there. Right? It's not just her and just me. Even if it's only for a minute once a week, there's actually a relationship there. And so what I know about the science of mind is I can take care of half of a relationship. And so my goal, my goal was to actually have some love going back and forth here. Well, the first week I said, hi, how are you? And I got the you know, hurry on, hurry on. The second week, I, I can't even remember what happened the second week, but it was not a pleasant situation. She basically told me to move on. Finally, I noticed a little thing, though. She was wearing some kind of unusual jewelry. She took great pride, actually, in, in how she looked. And although you could tell this wasn't, you know, a lot of money that she was spending, every week she would have on a distinct either uh, earrings or a necklace or something like that. And so I got the idea. One day I said, that's really a striking necklace. Are those, you know, 
is that lapis lazuli? Or, you know, I asked some question about her necklace. And she kind of went like this. (laughs) She didn't say anything, mind you. But I just detected just the... So the next week, well, that was progress, right? So the next week, I'm in line again. I get up there, and, and I've got on a smile, and I have my Visa card ready. And I commented, I think it was earrings that time, and I said, those are really unusual. They look handmade. Did you make them? And oh, my gosh. She, like, she like lit up like Christmas. And do you know what? I had a friend for the next three years. She and I actually looked forward to the checkout line in the parking lot at Portland International Airport. I would get there and she would be beaming ear to ear and I would be beaming ear to ear and she probably wasn't getting cars through as fast (laughs) anymore (laughs) as she was before, but we were friends. In one or two minutes a week, I had a friend. Now you might say this was a a shallow kind of friendship and and you'd be right. You might say this isn't a friendship that's gonna, you know, that miracles are gonna be built on. But I might ask you to reconsider that for a moment. Because what if we took the time, just that one or two minutes, with all of the people that we encountered with every day? What if the people in Safeway we were that nice to? What if the, the people uh, you know, pumping gas into our cars, we took that extra moment to compliment them or ask them how their day is? What I, what I realized, the reason she was so lighting up was I represented probably 1% of people who on purpose were nice to her. And it was so unusual, it was like, whee! <laughs> So my question, and I think Catherine Ponder's question would be, what can we do to have more of that in the world? Because as we make our, even our brief little connections with strangers, if we do it from that place of love, suddenly the world is connected in a way more powerful way. Suddenly we feel safer and secure about our, our homes and our lives because everyone seems friendly. Well, well, they seem friendly because you're being friendly. They are friendly. <laughs> This is how we transform the world. You know, we can try to pass laws to make people friendly. We can, we can try to, to disarm one another, right? That's the big thing now is disarmament. If only we get rid of all the weapons on the planet, which, by the way, is probably a bad idea, but, but we don't need to disarm as much as we need to have love moving forward in the, in the sweetest and most innocent and beautiful ways, even to the strangers in our life. Well, you can imagine some homework here, but before I get there, before I get to homework, I actually have a spiritual practice for you. Um, right out of the prospering uh, power of love. And uh, I'd like you for a minute just to close your eyes. And if you would... Imagine someone that you already care quite a bit about. It could be a spouse, it could be a a grandchild, it could be that puppy that I mentioned earlier. Someone or something that you already care quite a bit about. And we're gonna send that person or that object or that animal a blessing. 
So if you would, just repeat after me. Divine love, Divine love is doing its perfect work in you and through you now. So just send that person beautiful love. Let's say it as a whole sentence. Just, just follow with me as we repeat it together. Divine love is doing its perfect work in you and through you now. Now I want to move on to something just a little bit harder. Ourselves. I think sometimes we're a little bit hard on ourselves. I think sometimes we don't express much love really for ourselves, And in particular, when we do something that's a little bit suboptimal, that's my fancy word for having a shitty day, by the way. Um, so if you ever, that's my ministerial word for, uh, for another term. And so, so picture yourself, again, close your eyes for just a moment, and picture yourself for a moment. Hold yourself in that place of honor and light. Picture yourself maybe doing something extraordinarily well. Maybe picture yourself on your very best day ever, feeling full of accomplishments. And now, repeat after me if you would. Divine love, Divine love is doing its perfect work, its perfect work in, me in me and through me now. And let's do it as a whole sentence. Divine love is doing its perfect work in me and through me now. Let's do one more. Picture someone in your mind that maybe is a little bit harder to love. It might be someone that you've had words with recently or, or someone that, um, that maybe you work with that's not a friend uh, maybe it's an issue or an institution that you've been having trouble with. Just picture them in your mind just for a moment. And let's, uh, let's do it. Let's just repeat after me. Divine love, Divine love is doing its perfect work, doing its perfect work in, you in you and through you now. And let's do it as a whole sentence. Divine love is doing its perfect work in you and through you now. All right, let's open our eyes. Now, some of you are going to question me on this, as you should. Do I think that I have the power of changing someone else? I do not. So you might say, Larry, how as effective is this third one? If, if like my friend June, I'm picking on you, June, because you were smiling so beautifully here. What if uh, June and I are, are having words or there's some problem between us? Do I really think that saying, saying something like that about June is somehow going to change her and she's going to phone me and invite me to lunch or something? No, no. Well, I mean, she might. Actually, I do like June, so let's, let's not take this example too far. Um, but, uh, but what it does do is it changes me. When I do a blessing or a prayer for someone else, the only power that it has, of course, is over me. 
but I'm responsible for 50% of my relationship to any person or any situation. And when I elevate my own heart to be willing to see that other person or that other situation in the light of love, I'm now a different person. Perhaps a person that June might even like better. Perhaps a person willing to see around the stuff, the history that we have, the, 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 the bad things that have happened, and open to something better. And from then on, it's the law of attraction. When I'm standing in love, people want to match that. People will flock to me also in love. Now, it may be that it may take June, or it may, it may take someone that you're having trouble with uh, some time. You know, don't expect uh, the, the kudos, you know, in, in five minutes. But, but as you stand in love, as you regard them, as you send them blessings, something happens to you, and that resonates with the universe. That is the inv- invitation for the changes to occur. All right, now on to your homework, because you've got the full nine yards here. Your homework is simply to look at the people and the situations and the institutions going on in your life and send them love. Now, you might want to use the little affirmation we had, divine love is doing its perfect work in you and through you now. Some of you may already have spiritual practices that include forms of prayer and affirmation. Um, I'm not so much caught up on exactly what it sounds like or what it looks like. The idea, though, is if love is the most important force on the universe, we're going to send it to our friends. We're going to send it to the people we have trouble with. We're going to send it to ourselves. And so that is your homework assignment, really for this whole month, until it starts becoming a habit, until we start standing for love and standing in love, no matter what we're doing. So you up for it? All right, I'm seeing lots of nods, good. Love truly can change the universe, and it starts right here. I'm gonna close with a, a final quote from this excellent book, The Prospering Power of Love by Catherine Ponder. She closes this first chapter in this way. Whatever your need in life may be, love is the answer. You do not have to look outside of yourself for love. Begin releasing it from within, from within your own thoughts, your own feelings, and you will attract to you whatever people, situations, and conditions are for your highest good and success. Truly, you walk in the charmed circle of God's love. You are divinely irresistible to your highest good. This is the prospering power of love. Let us pray. There is one power, one love, one life. I call it God, but we could just call it love. Love is all that there is. Every person, every place, everything, every situation created out of love, created for the purpose of love, created in love. And so I know for myself, that means love is in my life. That as I make my small motions towards loving life, the people and the places and the situations in in it, including myself, as I bless the world in love, so it returns to me. 
And so I claim for each person in this room, perhaps a greater willingness to see through the eyes of love, to begin approaching people and situations with love, even strangers, even people that may be difficult for us to love. Nonetheless, that ability to see through the eyes of love exists. And so as we we do our little kindnesses to people, as we we brighten the lives of even people that we, we meet very briefly, as we become a force of love in the world, the world responds. And I'm simply grateful for this, grateful for love showing up every Sunday in this room and grateful for each person here taking love out into the world. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the love of life, knowing that it is good, knowing that it is so. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.